What's up, Repress, your family and friends? We are back with another Bible study lesson for you. And concluding our Dear Christian series, we were blessed with a message from Pastor Josh Baker from Florida. We hope and pray that after hearing this message from Pastor Josh Baker, that it truly empowers you and that it resonates with you. As in his message, he is talking about normalizing love. So again, we hope and pray that this message empowers you and resonates with you. Man, what's up, everybody? How are y'all doing? First of all, I just want to say I love the energy. Man, I'm so honored to be here. I just feel like um, one of the things we pray for our church is that as soon as people drive on the property and get out of their car, that they feel the presence of God just coming onto the property. But I would say even just uh, signing into this Zoom call, I've felt the presence of God just from as soon as we started worship. And so you guys already have an atmosphere set up. So I'm honored to be here. Um, and I just love hearing y'all's testimonies. And then Angie did have her braids kind of tied up in like this little, you know, nest looking thing. So I had to give her a hard time about it. Um, but I appreciate your kind words, Angie. But also Angie was a rock for me at a time that um, I needed somebody to speak back into my life and just um, really push me into the calling uh, that God had on my life for a season. I thought I was done, um, but I had people who were like, hey, God's not done with you yet. God's still got a lot to do in your life and, and a lot that he wants to do through you. And so Angie was a big part of that and I appreciate you so much. And so, um, so I'm excited to jump into this word today, but I would say this first and foremost, please don't make me talk by myself for like 35 minutes. If y'all wanna unmute and say amen, if y'all wanna interact, I'm totally cool with that. This is my first time ever, like I've taught classes on Zoom, but this is the first time like preaching on Zoom. So y'all get to kind of work with me a little bit today. But if y'all wanna respond in the chat, if you wanna come off mute and say something, man, I'm cool with whatever, whatever y'all wanna do. Um, and so you guys have been in this series called Dear Christian. I love the heart behind it that you want to talk to Christians about things they need to grow in, grow in community, grow in knowledge and grow in understanding of God. And that's so good because really, as Christians, we're in this process of sanctification where we're constantly growing and we're constantly learning. And so this is a great series because it's teaching us to be more like Jesus every single week, every time you guys meet, every time you're having conversations. And so I preached a message a while back and I felt like God put it on my heart to kind of readjust it for um, y'all series. And so uh, first, I want to tell you the passage, and I'm going to paraphrase it because it's really long. I don't want to sit here and read 42 verses, um, but the passage God put on my heart today is John chapter 4, verses 1 through 30, and then 39 through 42. And so basically, if I'm paraphrasing, it's a story where Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Judea from Galilee, and the quickest way to Judea from Galilee was through Samaria. But Jews did not go through Samaria. Jews did not like Samaritans. They did not get along. And so they took an extra three-day journey to go around Samaria just to avoid it. But in the passage, it says that Jesus needed to go to Samaria. Come on, how many of y'all know Jesus does things with intention? So he goes to Samaria, this well, and he meets this woman at the well. Starts having a conversation with her. He asks her for a drink, and she's like, how are you a Jew? talking to me, a Samaritan. She's confused. And he's like, well, hey, baby girl, go and grab your husband. 
And she's like, I ain't got a husband. He's like, I know you've had five and the man you living with now is not your husband. And so Jesus tells her all about her life. And she's like, oh my gosh, I perceive this man as a prophet. And I love Jesus ends up even revealing himself to her. And he's like, no, I'm the son of God. Like I'm the Messiah. I'm the person that you guys have been waiting for. And so she runs back into the town. I'm giving y'all the short version. She runs back into the town and she says, y'all, you got to come see a man. And this is just a side note. I wonder what people thought when she said, come see a man. Cause you know, it's a small town. I'm sure everybody knows her business. I'm sure everybody knows she done have five husbands. She's with a dude now and she's like, come see a man. And they was like, what man, <laughs> you know? But she was like, no, this is different. He told me all about my whole life. This is the Messiah. You gotta come see him. And so basically what ends up happening is this entire town of Samaria responds to a woman's words. First of all, y'all know the times we live in today and even the times back then for men and women to respond to a woman's word for God to use a woman was significant. And so they respond to her words and they come to Jesus and they say, hey, we came because of her words, but we believe because of your words. And so in this story, this basically entire town comes to believe in Jesus. And so that's the story, but the part I really wanna focus on today is verses six through 10, and I'll explain why, but I wanna read these verses. So John four, six through 10, and it says, Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And so Jesus is having this conversation with a Samaritan woman. But the part that stands out to me, and I'll take you guys through this journey today, is it says, wearied as he was. That means Jesus was tired, y'all. Y'all know, y'all know tired, not, not with an R, like tired, I'm tired. Jesus was tired, like it had been a long journey, but he still took his time to stop and spend time with this woman, to have a conversation with this woman. It makes me think of several other times in the Bible. Y'all know the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000? In that story, they were done for the day. The sun was setting, the day was over. The disciples were like, yo, send these people home to get food. And Jesus was like, nah, Jesus looked at them with compassion. And he said, grab what you have, we're gonna feed them. There's another time where Jesus had been praying for people and ministering all day. And they tried to get in the boat and the disciples with him, they tried to get away and the people followed them. And it says that Jesus had compassion on them. He ministered to all of them and he healed all of them. And so Jesus was moved by compassion. And so psychology today says something interesting. It says that love is inherently compassionate and empathetic. And so compassion is actually birthed out of a place of love. So when it says Jesus had compassion on them, you can insert anywhere you see in the Bible with the word compassion and Jesus had compassion on them with the word love. 
So when it says Jesus had compassion on them, it means that he loved them. And so he went out of his way so many times in these moments to love people. And so my thought is, if this is something that Jesus did regularly, and as Christians, we are supposed to be Christ-like, then this is also something we should do regularly, meaning having compassion on people, meaning loving people. And so if you're taking notes today, which I encourage you to do because I think studies show that you remember four times more of what you write down. So the title of today's message is Dear Christian, Let's Normalize Love. Dear Christian, Let's Normalize Love. Now, normalize is kind of a buzzword right now. Y'all know how words come and go and they like get trendy for a little bit. And so the original definition means a return to normalcy. So an example, like if someone has a regular heartbeat, her heart rate is normalizing. It is returning to normal. If the weather, I don't know where y'all live, but Florida, it can be like sunshiny one minute and two minutes later, a thunderstorm done came out the blue and you're like, what in the world just happened? And then like five seconds later, it stopped raining. If you've never been to Florida, please come experience that. It's the craziest thing you will ever see in your life. But weather patterns can be crazy. And if the weather starts to go back to normal, you would say weather patterns are normalizing. But y'all know the world we live in today. People like to make take words and make them mean new things. And so normalize today means this is key to allow what was once an extreme view to be considered normal. So an example of this would be normalize taking care of your mental health. So back in the day, if people had mental health issues, they were considered crazy. Like it was just a stigma. Like people did not want to go to counseling. People didn't want to get therapy. They thought only people who had problems needed counseling and therapy, which was a huge misconception. I mean, we know today, I remember one time my sister told me I needed counseling. I said, girl, I don't need no counseling. I'm perfect. And I also didn't want to be viewed like I was crazy, but I ended up going to counseling and working some things out in my life. And I realized there's just some things that people need professional help with. And that's okay. It makes me laugh for a minute. You know how when you say like, yo, you need help. No, nah, you need professional help. It, it can have a negative connotation, but it's not negative anymore like it used to be. And so when you say something like normalize taking care of your mental health, it's taking something that used to be viewed as an extreme and now making it normal. But for the purpose of this message, I want you guys to focus on the original definition, which means returning to normalcy. So when I say normalize love, I mean loving people like we were created to do, loving people like God designed us to, a return to one of Jesus's last commandments, go and make disciples, go and love people, go and treat people as I have done. And in today's world, that may be considered an extreme view, but it's time to normalize it again. And so in order for us to normalize love, we have to understand what love is. Somebody say, what is love? Put it in the chat. What is love? What is love? And so the first point is God is love. Now, when I wrote this message, I was like, okay, God, I want to I want to talk about you as love in a way that is not offensive to people that doesn't stir up strife. How can I do that? And it's funny, y'all know God's word is perfect. God's word is is amazing. It was God breathed. It was God inspired. So I think sometimes as humans, we try to get creative and come up with things ourselves when just at the end of the day, reading God's word is all we really have to do. 
So I was like, God, how do I tell people what, what it is that you're like? Like, how are you like love? He was like, just read my word. I said, okay, so here we go. First John 4, 7 through 12. And it says, dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Listen to this. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. Now it's telling us how he loves us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. There should be like a lot of amens, hands clapping, hands raised, because we're all on this call because God loved us. And so it says, dear friends, since God so loved us, here's a key, we also ought to love one another. Hmm. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Mm. So when we love other people, we show them God's love. That's interesting. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Come on. But there's some things I take away from this passage. And so the first thing is this, and this was real controversial when I preached it, but I'm gonna give it to y'all just as raw as I preached it. Verse eight says, God is love. Now I wanna hit this right. And if y'all have questions about this, we could talk after, but there's a saying going around that says love is love. And it sounds good, it sounds right, it sounds catchy, but in reality, it's cancel culture. Now, what I mean by that is it's not obvious, but people have taken God out of the saying, God is love, and replaced it with the word love. And so I would like to cancel, cancel culture today and come against it and replace it with kingdom culture. Because listen, if you take God out of the saying, and God is love. The absence of God, therefore, is the absence of love. So love is love means there is actually no real love at all. Love is love Lovely. based on emotion and feeling. And as soon as it goes away, so does the love. But God is love is based on a sacrificial, unconditional love where he loved you before you were ever even born, before you ever even had to do anything to earn it. It has always been there. It will always be there. And so we need to be, bring back the truth that God is love and not love is love. And so you say, Pastor Josh, how did God show love? Um, it says more about it, but it's more commonly known in this scripture, John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so God showed us love by giving and sacrificing for us even before we loved him. He loved us when we were unlovable. I know some of y'all think you're totally lovable, but if you ask your siblings or your parents or somebody who is close to you, there's times in your life you are probably unlovable. <laughs> you ain't got to admit it, but I will. I know sometimes I'm unlovable. But I want to embellish the moment of how much God loves you. Like he knew you before you were ever born. The Bible says he knit you together in your mother's womb. I, I don't know about y'all. I don't want to try knitting. It doesn't look fun. I don't want to do it. It looks tedious. But the Bible says that God knit you together in your mother's womb. And when he got done making you, he looked at it and said it was good. And so this isn't in my notes, but I just feel like I need to speak this into somebody today. So 
Uh, y'all don't make fun of me. Y'all sit there and relax. If I see all y'all start laughing, I'm clicking your screens off. Okay. So for a long time growing up, I've had an issue with my ears. Okay. So if you see my left ear is longer and closer to my head and my right ear is shorter and sticks out further away. Angie, stop doing the hand motions just because you know already. Okay. So man, I would look in the mirror and be like, God, what? Like, what were you doing, man? But then I remember that the scripture said he knit me together in my mother's womb. And so when I look at my ears and hate my ears, I hate something that God designed and said was good. And so it really just hit me that like, God loves me exactly the way I am. And he created me exactly the way I am. So for those of you that look in the mirror and see imperfections, God sees them as perfections. Like he literally created you how he wanted you to look, how he wanted you to be. So the next time you don't like your nose, be thankful you have a nose. Like, hey, God, I know my nose may be a little wider, a little more narrow than I want it to be or a little longer than I want it to be. But God, I thank you that I have a nose. But he loves you. He chose you. He created you for a purpose. And so now I have to get back to my nose because I just went on a tangent. But um, another takeaway after God loves us is once he loves us, we have to turn around and love other people. And so in verse 11 at 12, it says, when we love other people, God's love is made complete in us, meaning people see God in us. Now, this is key. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of, of Maslow's five principles in psychology, like the five, the hierarchy of needs. Have you guys ever heard of that? So it's like your basic needs, food and water, safety needs, the need to love and belong, esteem need, and then self-actualization need. And so the reason I'm telling you guys is because the third highest one is the need to feel loved or the need to belong to something. And what's crazy about this statistic is studies show that only 50% of people in the world feel like this need is met in their life. That means one out of every two people don't feel loved. One out of every two people don't feel like they belong to something. And I love when people say the Bible isn't relevant for today. Maybe John was on to something. 2,000 years ago, he's talking about love and how we need to love people. And then 2,000 years later, we find out 50% of the world does not feel loved. Come on, y'all. I cannot stand when people are like, the Bible's got nothing to do with, with what's going on today. It absolutely does does and it tells us how to live our lives and so a real quick example this lady came into our church and she was like pastor josh can i talk to you for a minute i'm like absolutely because just like y'all did i love hearing testimonies and so she was like man i was just in town i was visiting and i looked this church up she said i knew i was going to be a stranger i knew i wasn't going to know anybody she said and i knew i was going to be uncomfortable she said but as soon as i stepped into the church she said, it immediately felt like family. I immediately felt loved. She said, and not only that, I felt God's love. And she said, because of that, I knew God's presence was in this place. And so when y'all have new people come to read, pray, share, and you make them feel loved and you make them feel included, when they get on this call, they are going to know that God loves them and that God's love is real because of how you guys love them. And so we actually have a mission at our church that is love God, love people, love life. Because without loving God, you can't love people. And we were created to serve and love other people. And so we serve when we serve and love other people, we're doing what we were designed to do. And so we then in turn love our lives. 
And so you say, well, cool, Pastor Josh, what does loving other people look like? I'm glad you asked. How do we do it in a practical way? I'm glad you asked. You guys are coming with the great questions today. Um, and so we can say God is love, love people, be loving all we want to until it becomes an inconvenience for us or it's uncomfortable for us or it's something we don't want to do. And so you say, OK, tell me how to do it practically. I got you. Point number two today is that love breaks barriers and builds bridges. Love breaks barriers and builds bridges. So part of um, our church culture and I'm just telling you guys this so I can tell you a story, is that we allow people to belong before you believe because love doesn't judge. And so I had this guy raise his hand one time and he was like, hey, Pastor Josh, I'm an atheist. Can I still be on your dream team? And I was like, yeah, man, absolutely you can. He was on the dream team for three months. And after three months, he called our lead usher and he said, hey, man, I would like to say the prayer of salvation. He said, I'd like to be saved. And so within three months, because we allowed an atheist to belong, and we didn't judge him for where he was. We didn't say no, because you can't, you don't believe in God. You can't be a part. He ended up getting saved. And so it's so easy to look at someone and make assumptions. Uh, but I think a lot of times it's easy for us to say, you've never walked a day in my shoes, so don't judge me. But then we turn right around, not walking a day in somebody else's shoes, and we can judge them or think we know them. And that's not what love does. And so we see in this passage, a few barriers that Jesus broke down because he didn't judge or he didn't allow maybe some um, barriers of the time to keep him from loving someone. So the first one is a Jew talking to a Samaritan. This was not just about religion. This was about race as well. Jews and Samaritans had gotten separated. And so there were some changes in complexion, some changes in different things. But not only that, it was about religion. Samaritans believed a different way than Jews did. And so Jews kind of saw them as like less holy and unsanctified, um, which sometimes when we're Christians, we can be careful when you got to talk to a Muslim or you got to talk to somebody of another religion, we can see them as less holy or unsanctified, which causes us not to break that barrier and have a conversation and love them. But I'll save all of that for another day. Another thing that he did, rabbis were not supposed to talk to women. Teachers had no interactions with women. And so we see him breaking down a barrier of sexism. She was not viewed in Jesus's eyes as less superior. In fact, in this time, women weren't even allowed to speak or prophesy or any of those things. And Jesus uses her to go talk and get the whole town saved. I love this because especially in the day and time we live in, there's so many barriers, there's so many things that people try to set up that you can't do this, you can't do that. If you're this type of person, you can't do this. But Jesus was going to break down barriers and use anybody. But that wasn't only scenario. Jesus did this all the time, which is why I love Jesus. Y'all, he did this so much so people called him a friend of sinners. Could you imagine that? I feel like Christians, we're all comfy in our church sometimes nowadays, and I'm not coming for anybody. I feel like this sometimes too. As Christians, we're all comfy in the church. Man, I couldn't imagine somebody seeing Pastor Josh at a bar. People would freak out, but that's where Jesus was. Jesus was with the tax collectors, the sinners, the drunkards, hanging out, talking with them. So let's read this passage before you think I'm making something up in the Bible. Luke 5, 27 through 32. It says, after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at a tax booth. 
And he said, follow me and leaving everything, he rose and followed him and Levi made him a great feast in his house and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribe grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well need no, uh, have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Just so y'all know in this passage, tax collectors were not viewed very highly. They were viewed very low. I always mess with people like, y'all ever seen Shark Tale with Will Smith? You know when he's letting him know like where he is on the hierarchy? He's like, there's whale poop and then there's you. It's like there's sinners and then there's tax collectors. Like they were like the lowest of lows and it's because they would cheat people out of money. But Jesus had no problem spending time with them. And I think, stay with me for a sec. This is where a lot of Christians miss it. He wasn't with them. There's two sides to this. Some people are like, oh, we need to approve and accept everything that everybody does. That's not accurate. And then there's the other side that believes we need to take our Bibles and smack people over the head and let them know they're going to hell. Jesus did not do any one of those here. He was not with them to approve of what they did and encourage it, but he was also not there to condemn them and tell them he was going, they were going to hell. Listen to this. He was there to love them and call them to repentance. It is the love of God that draws people to repentance. When you love them, you will have an opportunity to speak into their lives. And so in order to break down barriers, you need to be around people who aren't like you and you need to be welcoming to new people. So my question is, who is in your circle and who do you hang out with? Because if your circle is only Christians, I would say, who are you witnessing to? Whose life are you making a difference is? Who, whose life are you being an example to? Who are you sharing the love of God with? Who are you breaking barriers and building bridges with? Now, before I go further with this, I know everybody is in different walks of life. So let me hit you real quick. If you just got saved, it's probably not a good idea for you to be around all the people that God just delivered you from because you will fall right back into what God just delivered you from. So for a season, you need to be with Christians who are going to love you, build you up, encourage you, and teach you in the things of God. Okay, that piece is said. But if you get to the place where you are a more mature Christian spiritually, and you have now become the person who is the influencer and not the influenced, then you can go back into those circles and back into those situations because God has strengthened your spirit to be able to resist the temptation that once knocked you down before. And so Again, understand where you're at. If you don't know where you're at, talk to some of your leadership. They could probably tell you like, hey, no, nah, you, you need to kick it with us for a little bit longer. Or they can tell you, no, nah, man, I think you should be able to have conversations with those people. And so anyways, the goal is to get to a place where you become the person who breaks down barriers and builds bridges. And so I got a quick story for you guys. Um, I like to tell stories because Jesus taught in stories. And I think it helps people understand things practically. So I had this group of guys that I used to party with, drink with, smoke with, all kinds of crazy stuff. And they witnessed my entire life change, how God did everything. Maybe if I get to be on here another time, I'll share y'all my whole testimony because it's amazing what God did in my life. But after a season, I started spending time with them again. And we have this NFL fantasy football league that we play in every single year. And so we do our draft at Brass Tap. Now I'm at Brass Tap 
I'm not saying go to a bar so y'all relax, but I'm at Brass Tap and I'm drinking a Sprite, which felt so lame. I'm just letting y'all know it. it felt lame. But anyway, I'm drinking a Sprite and one of my buddies is absolutely wasted. And he comes up to me at the bar and he's like, hey, Josh, man, them scriptures you'll be posting, I'll be reading them and they'd be meaning something to me. And, you know, even though he's wasted in that moment, I know God has now taken me from a place where I used to be influenced by them to where I'm the one who has an influence on them. And so that's the place for you to go in order to build a bridge, but last, or to break a barrier. But last, I want to talk to you, uh, tell you a quick story about building a bridge. And I got to do this quickly because I got to keep going. There was this girl, um, I was in Bible school. I was a store manager at Hibbit Sports. And this girl came up to me and she found out I was in school to be a pastor. This is my first day on the job, y'all. She comes up to me and she's like, heard you want to be a pastor. And I'm like, oh, just by the tone of her voice, I knew this conversation was going to take a quick left turn. So I was like, yep, I'm in school studying to be a pastor. She goes, I'm gay. How do you feel about that? Just like, like hit me with it. And I was like, Ariel, I'm going to be honest with you. I was like, doesn't bother me. I was like, I'm not going to treat you any different than I treat the rest of my staff. I was like, I'm not going to bring my beliefs to the workplace or, or treat you any different because of, of what you do. I said, I will tell you that I don't agree with it, but I'm not going to treat you any different. So time passes. We build this dope relationship. She's in the hip hop like me. She's in the cars like me. She starts coming up to me and she was like, hey, can I ask you about a, a teaching that I watched? Hey, can you talk to me about this scripture? And all of a sudden, she started asking me questions about the Bible. We got into topics of sin. We got into all kinds of topics. And when I left that store to transfer, she had already moved on. But I was gone one day and I came home, came back and the store manager said, hey, there's a card for you in the office. So I went and grabbed the card and Ariel wrote me a letter. And she said, um, oh, I might cry. y'all. Hold on. I got to get this together. <clears throat> she said, hey, if you're ever a pastor one day. I hope I can be sitting on the front row of your church. She was like, my whole life, Christians have told me I was going to hell. My whole life, Christians have been mean to me. She said, and you were the first Christian to ever really truly show me what God's love feels like. And I just want to say thank you. Ah, sorry. <clears throat> um, but because I showed her grace and love, God gave me an opportunity to speak into her life. And so I wanna tell you guys a truth. Truth without grace is mean and grace without truth is meaningless. So I gave her grace for where she was, but I also spoke the truth of God into her life. If you have all grace and no truth, you ain't doing nothing for nobody. But if you have all truth with no grace, you'll be like all the Christians who Ariel felt like hated her. And so I'm not singling any one thing out. I didn't say that to single out homosexuality. Love builds bridges with everyone in any sin, black, white, brown, red, whatever, any nationality, male, female, rich, poor, people who struggle with drunkenness, people who struggle with adultery. It builds bridges everywhere. And there's people in our world who need all kinds of help. And so we need to break those barriers and build those bridges. But in order to do that, these are my last two things, in order to do that, we have to get out of our comfort zone to make other people feel loved, which brings me to my next point. Love is selfless, not selfish. Love is selfless, not selfish. And so James 2.8 says to love your neighbor as yourself. How many of us love ourselves? 
I know you do. Don't raise your hand. If I creeped on y'all's Instagram, I would find out how much you love yourself. I'm not calling anybody out. I love myself too. But the Bible tells us to love other people in that same way that we would love our, ourselves. And so you say, well, who do I love? Who am I supposed to love? Who is my neighbor? Y'all know the story of the Good Samaritan, right? So I don't have to read the whole thing for the sake of time. If you don't, this guy gets beat up on the side of the road left for dead. A priest comes first, doesn't help him. A Levite comes second, doesn't help him. And a Samaritan comes and then helps him. And so this person asked Jesus, when Jesus was telling people to love your neighbor as yourself, this, this Jewish lawyer gets smart and he's like, well, God, who's my neighbor? And so I love what Jesus does. Y'all know Jesus just be smacking people right in the face. I told you in the beginning, Jews don't like Samaritans. So this Jewish lawyer asks him a question and the example Jesus picks to use is a Samaritan. <laughs> you know, Jesus be coming for people for real. And so um, the Samaritan ends up, you know, dressing the guy, healing his wounds, pays for his money, puts him on his horse, pays for his time in, in his hotel and all of that stuff. Um, hotel, I just made that modern real quick, but y'all know what I'm saying. And so, but I want to give you a little context today. I used to get so mad at the priest and the Levite, like so mad, like the priest went around, the Levite went around and I'm like, y'all tripping. Like you're supposed to be God's holy people. You should help. But let me give you some context. If the priest or the Levite would have touched him, they would have been considered unclean and would have had to go back to the temple for a two-week cleansing process. That would have taken time out of their schedule. And that gave me new perspective because I'm like, man, how many times have I not done something God told me to do because I didn't want to take time out of my schedule? But the Samaritan had stuff to do too. The Samaritan was on a journey. But he stopped. He took his time. Not only that, the town he took him into was a Jewish town. So he was risking his life for somebody he didn't know. And so the key to that in me is the Samaritan had compassion. In verse 33, he looked on the man with compassion. There's that word again. Love is birthed out of compassion. So love drove him towards another person. Whereas selfishness from the Levite and the priest drove them away from another person. And not only that, he touched the man knowing he was unclean. He didn't mind being considered unclean to touch an unclean person. And this really hit me. And I want to ask you this. Who was willing to touch you when you were unclean? Before you were saved, before you were sanctified, before you had it all together and you were just messed up. Who was willing to step in your life and touch you? I went to church back in the day when I was partying, drinking, doing all kinds of stupid stuff. And my parents said, if you're going to live here, you're still going to go to church. I said, okay, so I'm a drink, smoke, party and go to church. And so I would show up to church smelling like weed, smelling like alcohol. I know I did. You can't, you can't tell me I did. And I know I smelled like weed and alcohol. And this usher, every single Sunday would hug me. And I'm like, why is this dude hugging me? I'm 19 years old, ready to punch this dude in the face. Why is this dude hugging me? Then he started saying, I love you, brother. I'm like, love me? You don't know me. What? And so it's funny, though, he never stopped doing it. He never judged me. He never asked me why I smell. He didn't. He never asked me any of those things. He just hugged me every Sunday and told me he loved me. Eventually, I started coming into church looking for Randy. I said, where's my hug? I give him a big old hug, and I'm like, love you too, brother. But you know what? In that selfless act of love, Hugging a kid who smelled like alcohol, smelled like weed, it didn't bother Randy at all. And so because of his selfless love towards me, 
he was committed to acting in the best interest of another person and that's birthed out of love. And so my last point for you guys is this, uh, love unites, love unites, love does not divide. And so John 17 um, verses 18 through 23, Jesus says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Those who will believe, that's us. And they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me that we may become perfectly one so that the world may know you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. And so very quickly while I end, I love this passage because Jesus is praying for us. It says those who will believe. So he wasn't just talking about the disciples or people who believed back then. I love when people think the promises of God stop with the Bible. They don't. Jesus was praying for us that we would have unity. And when we have unity, people will see God's love in us. And so how does this unity happen? Look at this last part, what he says. And I ask that the love of God would be in us. So we have to have God's love in us. It's all rooted in love in everything that we do. It should be motivated by love. And then there's this part, the last three words of the key, I in them. If we don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, if the Holy Spirit is not living on the inside of us, then we cannot love people the way that Jesus loved people. God's love is in our lives. And so in order to do any of this that I've talked about today, the first step is salvation. And so I know I'm probably close to my time and I wanna respect y'all's time, but I do wanna give a salvation appeal. And so if you guys um, will just bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute, I don't know how y'all normally do this, but I'm just gonna roll with it. The Bible says that um, God loves you so much that he sent his uh, son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. We were all sinners and we had a debt that we had to pay, but Jesus came and covered that debt. And I want you to know if you've never said the prayer of salvation, that God chose you, that he has a plan, he has a purpose for your life. And so if you've never done that today and you want to take the opportunity to make um, Jesus your Lord and Savior, you can either do the raise your hand thing or put it in the chat. I don't know. Or just raise your hand on your screen so I can see you um, and just believe by faith that if your screen's not on and you're raising your hand. Um, I know that people want to receive salvation. And so if, if that is you, um, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And so do me a favor. Let's all pray this prayer together. You don't have to come off mute or nothing, but I just don't want anybody to feel like they're praying alone. So say, dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart today. Forgive me of my sins. Today, I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Help me to live for you and love like you do for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey guys, if you said that prayer, um, let one of your leaders know. But congratulations, today's your spiritual birthday. Welcome to the family of God. And the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices over one salvation. So that means there's a party going on in heaven right now uh, because you got saved today. So I hope this was encouraging for you guys. I love you. Thank you for having me and uh, send it back to you guys.
What Don't go. a great word, brother. We, man, literally, our lives are changed forever. We thank you for being willing to come. And honestly, you know, through this message, it just reminds me, I'll say that, you know, our ministry is small and it's hard to get people to come and speak. So we just thank you so much that you loved us enough to come and you, know, you didn't belittle us or anything like that uh, because our ministry is small. So thank you so much for this great word. Um, as Pastor Josh said, uh, if this was your, you know, if, if you accepted the call to salvation, uh, please don't do this journey and walk through this life alone. Uh, you can message myself, you can message Sean, Shay, Kaya, uh, Elaine, Gio, uh, Ham, any one of us, Jorian's not on today and Destiny isn't as well, but you can message any one of us, the Instagram, you can message us through Zoom and uh, we wanna give you resources and tools to use uh, for this journey. Um, on our Instagram, uh, we have our website, we have uh, a group me that you can join where we do different things throughout the week that just builds us spiritually. So again, Josh, thank you so much for this great message. So now um, I wanna, I see a couple more new faces. So I just wanna welcome you again. Uh, thank you so much for coming. Please uh, don't let this be the last time. We have events on Monday on Instagram where we do hear gospel, play gospel. Uh, Wednesdays, we have 7.30 a.m. CST prayer. Um, Thursdays, we have our uh, Repray Share Experience Night on Instagram. Uh, on, at 7 p.m. and then right back here on Saturdays for Bible study and then Sundays we have uh, 8 p.m. or yeah 8 p.m. prayer uh, to get our week started so uh, anything you need please reach out to us um, so now we're going to go into our discussion portion so if you want to stay ask Pastor Josh some questions just let us know what you got out of the message please stay talk to us if you uh, if you have to leave we understand um, <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I will turn it over.